Ladies and gentlemen, the following segment of the podcast is presented exclusively by Hillsdale College. For over 175 years, four purposes have defined Hillsdale's mission, learning, character, faith, and freedom. Thank you for listening and my sincere appreciation to our brothers and sisters at Hillsdale for their great sponsorship. He's here. He's here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Numbers 877-381-3811, It's much to talk about. First thing I want to talk about is the United States Supreme Court. Then I want to move right into Ukraine and Russia and then beyond that. What is in this Florida bill that the media, Disney, and the activists keep lying about? I want to get into that too. I want to get into January 6th more as well. So we've got a lot to cover. This is when I feel like I should be doing an extra one-hour podcast if I could fit it into my schedule somehow. But let's, let's plow ahead here. I am tired of these pontificators who have literally spent no time duking it out, duking it out on the ground, over the United States Supreme Court. I've spent a lifetime on this issue. I don't expect everybody to spend a lifetime on this issue, but I have spent a lifetime on this issue. And the idea that the Democrats just get a seat because they're replacing another Democrat without having to fight for it, without having to explain their ideology, without Republicans using this as an opportunity to explain why the Democrats are wrong and why they want to destroy the court and the country, is insane. And I'm not even talking about the Republicans on the Senate Judiciary Committee. I'm talking about people in the media, including conservative talk radio, including my friends and colleagues on cable. Not all, but some. Well, you know, save the fight for another day. You don't save the fight for another day, do they? I mean, they're handing out Supreme Court justice seats. Is that the way they treat our nominees, whether it's replacing a Republican or not? I mean, this is idiotic. 
Now, we apparently believe in some form of affirmative action. I'm not talking about race. I'm not talking about the color of somebody's skin. But so many seats go to the radical left and so many seats do not. This is ridiculous. All we insist on is that people who go on the Supreme Court for life read the Constitution, apply the language and what was intended by those who wrote it. And if that's not your view, you don't belong in a courtroom. You don't belong in a black robe. It's that simple. Now, the nominee today says she doesn't have a judicial philosophy, but of course she does. She says that. She says that because she doesn't want to have to explain her judicial philosophy. That's why. She has no judicial philosophy. Then everybody should vote no. What does that mean? But we know she has a judicial philosophy. All the radical organizations wanted her to be the nominee. From the critical race theory organizations to the transgender organizations to the National Lawyers Guild to all the feminists. They all wanted her. So obviously she has a judicial ideology and philosophy, which she chooses not to reveal. So we have to wait till she's on the Supreme Court, I guess. Why do you fight these issues? You fight them to inform the American people, to explain to the American people who it is on the left, these Marxists. That's what you do. You don't just reward the Democrat Party and their nominee. She's been extremely radical in Washington, D.C. She's voted against Trump every single time. She's voted for Biden every single time. The Supreme Court's not supposed to be some kind of Politburo. So those who say, you know, wait to fight another day, they are selling out. Fight every day, on every front, on every issue, especially the Supreme Court. Especially the Supreme Court. How quickly we forget 9-11. How quickly we forget that this lawyer who became a federal judge, was more than happy to defend them. I don't mean just defend them. But she wanted to participate in their federal defense. Well, that's the system, Mark. No, it's not the system. We have a million lawyers in this country. Many of them are defense lawyers. They didn't all seek to or volunteer to be representing terrorists. It's amazing to me. How we pretend when it comes to the left and their nominees. That it's just a matter of fact. But with Kavanaugh, who I never even liked. I never even liked Kavanaugh. That they have to come up with these cockamamie, horrific, vile, libelous attacks on this man about gang rape and so forth. They'll do anything and say anything. The Washington Post did it. The New York Times did it. CNN and MSNBC did it. All the major media in the country did it. They don't sit back. No, they don't. So these are battles, and we should view them. Each and every one of them is battles. Battles for the country. Battles for the heart and soul of the nation. An opportunity to educate the American people, even if we're in the minority. Well, they have the votes. Forget it. Is that how they operate, ladies and gentlemen? They have the votes. Forget it.
I am so tired of the Republican establishment. I am worn out from the Republican establishment. But then I think the future, and we got to keep fighting them. McConnell says the other day he's, he's not sure how he'll vote. Well, in the end, he'll vote no, but he's not sure how he'll vote. So the Republican leader in the Senate, despite the fact that this nominee is a radical, McConnell's not going to lead the fight against her. He's not sure how he'll vote. Now, part of the reason they fear her is because, let's be honest, of her race. They don't want to be accused by the Democrats and the media of racism. But when we nominate minorities who want to apply the Constitution, like a Clarence Thomas, like a Brown, like like so many others, whether they're black or Hispanic and so forth, they don't get any pass. In fact, the attacks on them are even worse. They're even worse. As any conservative minority can tell you particularly those who've gone through these processes. So there you have it. The Republicans in the Senate, they are so weak, they are so pathetic, that they're giving speeches today about what they're not. We're not the Democrats. You know, we're not going to do this to you like that. We're not going to do... What the hell are you going to do? What are you going to do? She's going to play rope-a-dope. It's obviously the Biden advisors have told her to lay low, play rope-a-dope. And you'll get, your, you'll get your Supreme Court job. I've never seen an easier nomination for the Supreme Court in my adult life. I've never seen it. All right, she's in. There's nothing we can do. Th- these are the commentators on the right. She's in. There's nothing we can do. It's just replacing Breyer. All, all right. Say, uh, keep your powder dry. You know, wait for the next one. And, uh, the hell are they talking about? We will never, ever stop the American Marxist movements in this country. These organizations, they're dark money. If we listen to the Republican establishment or the Republican media, forget about the Democrats. This is why they don't want Trump talking about the past election. Oh, I'm sick of it. Why, how are you going to fix it? This is why they don't want to really dig into this lady. This is why they don't want to do Yeah, you know, what are we going to do? We can't uh, just replacing it. Save it uh, the next day, you know. Good God. Why do these people get elected? Why do they even want to be elected? Oh, you're honorable. Oh, you're senator. That's it. They like the perks. They like the attention. Rush used to say politics is Hollywood for the ugly people or something like that. He's pretty much, he was pretty much right. How else are they going to draw attention to themselves? Working in law firms or, you know, starting a small business. This is it. This is it. First day of the Senate hearings. Lousy. Lousy. For the most part, a few standouts. Blackburn, Hawley. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin.
Folks, I'm here to talk to you about something very serious. Have you felt something changing in our country, that too many people no longer identify themselves as Americans first, but instead group themselves by race, class, or sex? That we're losing the common idea of justice, the melting pot that unites us. I'm talking about citizenship, folks. And if we lose the idea of citizenship, then we don't have a country. But there's something you can do. Get educated and then teach others. And my friends at Hillsdale College can show you the way. Hillsdale's new free course on American citizenship will help you learn about what's happening and why. The course is taught by our friend, Dr. Victor Davis Hansen, who will equip you to help restore our country. You can sign up for free at levinforhillsdale.com. You'll learn about topics like the history of citizenship, the deep state, and even the Great Reset. Please sign up today to take Hillsdale's free course at levinforhillsdale.com. That's L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com, levinforhillsdale.com. Also notice everything the Democrats do is historic. Here we have a nominee who's a woman and black. Historic. The vice president, historic. Obama, historic. Clarence Thomas, destroy him. Tim Scott gives a fantastic rebuttal to the State of the Union speech. Sometime before, destroy him. Uh, There were efforts by the Bush administration to nominate really brilliant Hispanics to the circuit courts in order to set them up for the Supreme Court. Destroy them. Nothing historic whatsoever. So I'm on to the game. I'm on to the game. The Republicans right now in the Senate in particular are playing rope-a-dope. Not so much in the House, but in the Senate. They have done absolutely nothing to bring us to the precipice of a potential significant victory in the off-year election. McConnell hasn't done a thing. The McConnell likes right behind him who want to replace him one day, they haven't done a thing either. Cornyn, Thune, so forth, done anything. Nobody even knows who they are. It's the base. It's the conservatives. It's the conservative movement. It's Biden's miserable record. That is what's going to bring them victory, should they have a big victory. They can't even handle the gerrymandering that's going on around the country. We lost that. We have a net loss as a result of that. And we shouldn't. We have most of the Republican state legislatures. And now it's, well, you know, I'm not going to fight that hard on this one. We'll wait to the next one on the Supreme Court. It is so disgusting on how they view their jobs. And their commentator buddies in the media make me sick, too. I'm just being honest. How stupid this is. We're going to wait for another one, and then we'll really fight. They never really fight. McConnell's asked again. What will the Republicans do? What's their agenda if they get the majority ship? Well, we won't be Biden. It's first thing out of the idiot's mouth. Next thing out of the idiot's mouth is... Uh, we want some bipartisanship here. But, you know, we'll try to move to the center, some center-right act. He has no agenda, the idiot. He's playing rope-a-dope. He and his buddy Rove. This is their plan. It's really... And you remember what happened, folks, 12 years ago. 
The rise of the Tea Party. The Tea Party gives them a massive majority in the House. Flips the House. Takes it from Pelosi. Almost flips the Senate. And McConnell attacks the Tea Party for not nominating the rhinos that he wants who would have lost. They always lose. They always lose. And then they go to war with their own base. Boehner, McConnell. And the Wall Street Journal editorial page. Paul Gigot and the rest of them. They go to war with the Tea Party. The Democrat Party respects its lunatic fringe base. Our base is traditional, people of faith, hardworking Americans who want to keep taxes low, want to keep regulations under control, want to secure the border. Common sense, traditional, basic stuff. But we're extremists, you see, because we're defined through the lens of Washington, D.C. and the Republican establishment. It's really quite appalling. I, for one, am sick and tired of it. They better fight on this nominee. They better fight. And they better oppose. This is no moderate. This is the most radical person that could have been picked, given the guidelines that Biden put out. Black and a woman. He picked the most radical. The radical groups, with dark money behind them, picked the most radical. Media Matters, Mediator, out there defending her and promoting her. Other radical kook organizations, phony media operations like that. New York Slimes, Washington Compost, 100%. 100%. And where are the Republicans today? Most of them? Let me tell you what we're not going to do. Well, tell us what you are going to do. Use the time to inform the American people of what we're dealing with. That's what you should do. Don't let Jackson just slide through. Don't make this a, a hug fest. Why are you sitting on the Senate Judiciary Committee if this is your, your viewpoint? We get these lectures. They'll show up at think tanks. They'll go on Fox. They'll come on conservative talk radio. They'll tell us how conservative they are, how the Supreme Court's done this and done that. And then when push comes to shove, they're frauds. I'll be right back. Folks, I'm here to talk to you about something very serious. Have you felt something changing in our country? That too many people no longer identify themselves as Americans first, but instead group themselves by race, class, or sex? That we're losing the common idea of justice, the melting pot that unites us. I'm talking about citizenship, folks. And if we lose the idea of citizenship, then we don't have a country. But there's something you can do. Get educated and then teach others. And my friends at Hillsdale College can show you the way. Hillsdale's new free course on American citizenship will help you learn about what's happening and why. The course is taught by our friend, Dr. Victor Davis Hansen, who will equip you to help restore our country. You can sign up for free at levinforhillsdale.com. You'll learn about topics like the history of citizenship, the deep state, and even the Great Reset. 
Please sign up today to take Hillsdale's free course at levinforhillsdale.com. That's L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com, levinforhillsdale.com. He's driving the media mad. Mark Levin, call in with your outrage. 877-381-3811. There's another issue I've been meaning to get to. Again, I consider this Ukraine matter very, very important, and I want to talk about it. And I hope you were able to watch Life, Liberty, and Levin last night with the great former Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu and our outstanding Green Beret friend, uh, Congressman Waltz, is just a brilliant man. Uh, was a colonel, combat, uh, for many, many years in Afghanistan. So, of course, DeSantis is under attack. And many people seem to think, well, if we get Trump out of the way, we'll just run another Republican, a DeSantis, a Cotton, or whomever. Folks, they intend to destroy whomever the nominee is. We have to fight back. And stop cowering. Heritage Action for America, myth versus fact, Florida's parental rights and education bill. The left and their media allies are smearing the provisions of Florida's parental rights and education bill. That was HB 1557, now signed into law by Governor DeSantis. By spreading misconceptions and flat-out lies about the bill. They aim to paint the bill's supporters as bigots to lay the groundwork for a far-left agenda that locks parents out of the decision-making process when it comes to their children's major life decisions. The truth is that moms and dads, not teachers and school administrators, know their children best. HB 1557 simply provides much-needed transparency in public schools and puts parents back at the helm of their kids' education, giving them the tools to decide what is best for their own children. Myth number one of three myths I want to discuss Florida's parental rights and education bill bans the word gay in schools. Contrary to media hype, HB 1557 does not ban the word gay from the classroom. Instead, it protects kindergartens to third graders, kindergartners to third graders from teachers and other school officials who seek to sexualize children at very young ages. The bill prevents school personnel from pushing planned instruction on sexual orientation or gender identity issues in kindergarten through third grade, or in contexts that are not age-appropriate in later grades. The bill does not prohibit organic conversations between students and teachers, nor does it prohibit age-appropriate discussion of social issues, including sexual orientation, if it's in accordance with the state standards. What is wrong with that? That used to be called normal. Myth number two. That HB 1557 forces teachers to out students. HB 1557 does not force teachers to out students who have private discussions with teachers. The bill does reinforce the fundamental right of parents to make decisions regarding the upbringing and control of their minor children and affirms that school districts may not adopt procedures that prohibit parents from accessing any of their students' education and health records. Wow, how controversial. HB 1557 also states that school district personnel must, quote, encourage a student to discuss issues relating to his or her well-being with his or her parent 
or to facilitate discussion of the issue with the parent. This would address situations like one that occurred in Tallahassee, Florida, last year, when school officials directed a young female student to pursue a gender transition. To pursue a gender transition. Knowingly concealed their actions from her parents and even discussed restroom preferences and name changes without her parents' consent or knowledge. The transparency provisions in this bill would help ensure parents are informed and prevent these situations from ever happening again in the Sunshine State. Is that controversial to you folks? I don't think it's controversial in the least. Myth number three, HB 1557 will open the door to frivolous lawsuits against school districts. It creates a cause of action for parents against the school district that violates the provisions of the bill. In other words, violates state law. But it also creates a new avenue for parents to resolve disputes without a need to file a lawsuit. Within 30 days of a parent filing a complaint to the school principal, the school district must resolve the concern or provide a statement to the parent of their reasons for not resolving the concern. The parent may then request the Commissioner of Education appoint a special magistrate to determine the facts of the dispute and render a recommended decision to the State Board of Education to either reject or approve at its next regularly scheduled meeting. So what's the bottom line here? The bottom line, Florida parents have the right to be aware of and involved in crucial decisions regarding their children. Parents have the responsibility, as they point out, to ensure their children's well-being, They do not lose their rights or responsibilities when they enroll their children in public school. Additionally, public schools do not have the right to teach inappropriate sexual content to children as young as five years old. So while the media and left-wing advocacy groups have spread misinformation surrounding this bill, it's a common-sense measure that all parents should support. (coughs) And what happened at the... Excuse me, folks, and what happened recently? I don't know. I don't think we have audio of this, do we, Mr. Producer? At the basketball, uh, what were the the Women's National Basketball Association games? They had two moments of silence. Listen to Cut 16 here. Hold on a sec. Let me introduce this properly. This is ESPN, which is a disgusting network. ESPN, I'm sorry, it is. That doesn't mean everyone there is disgusting. It's disgusting. Courtney Lyle and Carolyn Peck at a woman's NCAA basketball game. They paused for two minutes to hold a moment of silence to protest what I just read to you. The parental rights and education as a threat to all human rights. You know what? These two knuckleheads don't even know what's in the bill. These two morons at ESPN don't even know what's in the bill, and they inappropriately, using the women's NCAA basketball game, to advance their agenda. And of course, they won't be fired. If they were conservatives who supported this bill, they'd be put on leave and then you'd never hear from them again. Maybe they'd wind up joining the Blaze or the Daily Caller, the Daily Wire, whatever. But you certainly wouldn't hear about them on ESPN anymore, would you? Really quite disgusting. Cut 16, go. Courtney Lyle, Carolyn Peck. Now, normally at this time, we would take a look back at the first half, but there are things bigger than basketball that need to be addressed at this time. Our friends, our family, our coworkers 
the players and coaches in our community are hurting right now. And oh, they're hurting. Oh, I'm sorry. They sit on a tack or something. They're all hurting, ladies and gentlemen, because you can't teach five-year-olds sex, and that would include gay sex. They're hurting, ladies and gentlemen. I'm sorry. I'm sorry that parents have the right to know if their children are being told about transgender procedures. Oh, I'm sorry. Is that an LGBTQIA plus agenda item? I think the world needs to. And what is it? LGBTQI? What does I mean? What does A mean? Plus. Go ahead. To go, our LGBTQIA plus teammates at Disney. Ask for our solidarity. Oh, our teammates at Disney. We can bring the family and the little ones. Hey, Disney, if you really believe in this, you ought to have an entire theater where parents can bring in their little ones, their little toddlers, you know, pre-kindergarten, that would be nursery school, to third grade. And you can bring them in there. You can have the LGBTQIA plus ESPN theater. Just show them what you're talking about. There's nothing to hide. And then maybe... You separate the parents from the kids and the kids who want a transgender? Sure, sign them up. Come on, Disney. Don't just be tough when it comes to talking and celebrating. And is this where the, the NCAA now is? The women's NCAA? Is that what they support now, too? Go ahead. Support, including our company's support in opposition to the parental rights in education bill in the state of Florida and similar legislature across the United States. And a threat to any human rights is a threat to all human rights. And uh, well, what did she just have uh, a, a fortune cookie? Is that where she got that? Yeah, and a threat to any human rights. Is a th- where is there a threat to human rights here? Where is there a threat to human rights? Don't teach my five-year-old this stuff. Oh, my God, it's a threat to human rights. Good job, women's NCAA. Bunch of morons. You don't even know what the hell's in the bill. But if you do know what's in the bill and this is your view, you're disgusting. You know what this is? It's perversion to teach little kids this stuff. To try and sexualize them at five years old. You send your kid to a public school, particularly those who can't afford private school or parochial school. You send your kid, you pay for these damn schools with your property taxes. You pay the teachers, you pay for the textbooks, you pay for the seminars, the training, the curriculum, the administration, for the damn buildings and the chairs, the pencils and the paper. And you're to have no say. According to Courtney Lyle and Carolyn Peck, the LGBTQIA plus community is in charge now. And this is their right to impose their will and to project their values on your babies. This is human rights, folks, don't you know? Go ahead. And Courtney and I, we're going to take a pause from our broadcast to show our love and support. Ah, shut up, you idiot. That's the time to get up from the chair and get some pretzels and...
potato chips, maybe a Diet Coke or a beer, whatever your preference is. Sit there and you're literally going to participate in a nationwide two-minute silent prayer to impose the will of this group or these groups on your babies? God, please, let my five-year-old learn about sex. Straight sex, anal sex, yes, they need to know. This is a human right. And should my eight-year-old say, I like to play with dolls. I think I might be a girl. Keep that from the parents, please. Because they may want to transgender. And that's a God-given human right. Please. I don't even trust these people with teaching my kids mathematics or science. Do you? Maybe once they get good at that, uh, maybe we'll consider the rest. Actually, maybe not. I'll be right back. Mark Levin. Folks, I'm here to talk to you about something very serious. Have you felt something changing in our country? That too many people no longer identify themselves as Americans first, but instead group themselves by race, class, or sex? That we're losing the common idea of justice, the melting pot that unites us. I'm talking about citizenship, folks. And if we lose the idea of citizenship, then we don't have a country. But there's something you can do. Get educated and then teach others. And my friends at Hillsdale College can show you the way. Hillsdale's new free course on American citizenship will help you learn about what's happening and why. The course is taught by our friend, Dr. Victor Davis Hansen, who will equip you to help restore our country. You can sign up for free at levinforhillsdale.com. You'll learn about topics like the history of citizenship, the deep state, and even the Great Reset. Please sign up today to take Hillsdale's free course at levinforhillsdale.com. That's L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com, levinforhillsdale.com. Three former Democrat women voters at a Save Women Sports Rally because we're having this problem where guys who are still biologically guys, no matter what appendage they cut off, no matter the appendage they cut off, are really uh, destroying women's sports. And I thought the feminist movement and the women's movement defended women's sports. I thought that's why we, we passed in civil rights legislation that women's sports deserve to be funded as equal as possible to men's sports. But apparently not. Cut 14, go. I was historically liberal. I mean, I'm a walk-away Democrat. I am a lifelong registered Democrat who ultimately feels politically homeless. Um, It really started maybe right before Biden, but um, ultimately with the whole Biden election, I began to feel more and more disenfranchised from Democrats. I would say I'm politically homeless now because I don't think the Democrats care about women and girls. The Democrats are not even acknowledging women as a sex class now. Now men can have babies. Men need abortion. It's no longer even a women's issue. When Biden came out in the first days of his presidency with his executive order, which replaced the category of sex at the federal level with the category of gender identity, um, I, I, it was just, it was a slap in the face. And 
and and from that moment I I really haven't known how to categorize myself um, politically. I always voted as a liberal so I from 18 to like 39, 38 I, I registered Republican in 2020 after two politicians actually told me they did not want my vote because of my stance on the rights for women and girls. That term feminism has become so muddied and so uh, mishmash much like the term Democrat has become so muddied and mishmash, it, it's practically lost all meaning. They w wanted to put men in prisons and men on sports teams and my daughter's school. And so, yeah, that's why I decided I cannot be a part of this party anymore that doesn't even recognize my sex class. Cut 15, go. I do work that supports women and girls' right to um, sex-based provisions like um, single-sex spaces, single-sex sports, um, single-sex prisons, single-sex uh, rape crisis shelters. That's why I had to switch parties, even though I don't necessarily agree with a lot Republicans do as well. I, I have a radical feminist analysis in my background, but I don't like to identify myself as anything. Kids are being taught that they have to trust with a strange I know a lot of historically liberal people, uh, especially parents, who have felt like they needed to walk away from the Democratic Party. And I, I don't know who they're going to be voting for in the new Same. next elections. Same. I think that we're going to have a lot of people walking away. Well, then you shouldn't be confused about who to vote for. You have one party that's destroying... You know, it's an amazing thing, the Democrat, but they've been at equal pay for women and the right to abortion. Okay. What about sports? No, 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 no. You see, the Democrat Party is a hodgepodge of stupidity. Let me help make this as perfectly clear as I know how. If you want to cut off your penis, that's up to you. If you want to attach one to your body, that's up to you. That is not a civil rights movement. That is nothing we teach our kids. That is nothing we brainwash into our little babies when they're in preschool through third grade. That's nothing to have a two-minute silent prayer about. That's not about human rights. The men's room belongs to those who have that appendage. The girls' room belongs to those who do not. I hope I've cleared this matter up for everybody. I'll be right back. This segment of the podcast is exclusively sponsored by Pure Talk. Pure Talk offers great coverage and can save your family money on your wireless bill every single month. Go to puretalk.com to find the plan that's right for you. Thank you again for listening, and thank you so much for this sponsorship, Pure Talk. He's here. He's here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello, America. Mark Levin here. Our number, 877-381-3811, 877-381-3811. I want to thank my buddy Larry O'Connor for filling in on Friday. All these, these guys are just the best. I can't thank them all enough. Um, they are all 
Excellent. They're all pros. Uh, but like I say, Larry was here Friday. I really want to thank him very, very much. Now, the Putin wing of the Republican Party, I, I kind of coined this phrase, and some people are upset about this. And the response in part is something like, well, just because we disagree with supporting the Ukrainians doesn't mean we're Putin mouthpieces. Now, that's true, too. So what am I talking about? There are different types of pacifists or isolationists, if you will. Different types. There are those who, as an ideological matter, just reject conflict. Now, they're naive. They're going to get a lot of people killed. They will sit back and watch as evil genocidal maniacs slaughter, as long as it doesn't touch our shores directly yet. You don't view that as in our national security interest. And they'll have their rhetoric and propaganda. You know, you don't want to fight. You don't want your kids to fight and that sort of thing. You've heard it all. Fair enough. Absurd in my view, but fair enough. But then there's another part of this group that are Putinites, or as I call them, Putinoids with their hemorrhoids. And for the last many months, they have defended Putin. Then they have defended Russia. And they've put out propaganda. Well, just because he has 200,000 men lined up on the border, just because they have 500 tanks, just because they've, they have a forward position, they're, they're uh, jet fighters, doesn't mean they're going to attack Ukraine. That is part of the Putin wing of the Republican Party, the Democrat Party, the media. So in other words, you can argue, as insanely I would argue as it is, for pacifism or isolationism or whatever ism you want to call it, without being a Putinoid. But if you're defending Putin, you're a Putinoid. And I don't know why you're so upset about being called one. Many of the people who do this, they've been writing columns, or they have their little websites, or they have their radio shows or their TV shows, or they have guests or whatever. They know what they're doing. We know what they're doing. Or they'll call people who disagree with them neocons, in other words, Jews, because the early neocons were Democrats who were Jewish who switched over to Reagan because of his foreign policy positions against the Soviet Union. Or they'll blame some other entity out there. So it depends on what the person says to determine whether they're a Putinoid, part of the Putin wing of the Republican Party or not. But either way, you have to be pretty damn heartless to see what's going on. Excuse me. And in my view, you have to be pretty short on historical knowledge to not be concerned about the effects this has outside of Ukraine into Eastern Europe, the effects it has in the Middle East with the Iranian regime, the effects it has in communist China and their eyeballs on Taiwan. And by the way, their eyeballs are not just on Taiwan. They want to take over half of all 
the navigable commercial activity that takes place in the entire world. That's why you militarize those five phony islands that you created in the South China Sea. Is that something we shouldn't be concerned about too? And I do think whether you are an isolationist pacifist on one side or on the Putin side, you do have an obligation to lay out what you mean by national security beyond sibyliths and ambiguous phrases that any third grader can come up with. Well, you know, if it doesn't threaten America directly, I don't know what that means. When a country has nuclear ballistic missiles, that is intercontinental ballistic missiles, they can threaten us. When a country keeps saying death to America, I don't think we pretend they're not saying death to America. When a country can cut off half of all economic activity in the world or control it, since we're the biggest economic power in the world, obviously that can have an impact. So the question is whether the thinking over these issues have gotten beyond 15th century history. Now what about these past wars, Afghanistan and Iraq and so forth? Well, ladies and gentlemen, this isn't Afghanistan, Iraq, or so forth. This isn't Afghanistan, Iraq, or so forth. Nobody's proposing putting military personnel, that is, combat personnel, into Ukraine. And nobody is proposing American air power in a no-fly zone. So how is that Iraq or Afghanistan? It's not. So why throw these words around? You might as well throw around World War II or Vietnam or Korea. But I think those who take this position and then claim America first have to explain how this is America first, what they mean by self-defense, what they mean by national security, if they believe alliances matter, allies matter, and under what circumstances they would be prepared to send arms to an ally or to even fight. I get on this program night after night, day after day, and I explain my view. Which isn't terribly complicated. Each case is a standalone case, yet it's looked at in the context of what's going on now and what has happened before with these countries and through historical experience. In other words, analysis, prudence, prudence. I'm not ideological about this. I also know that China and Russia have spent decades on propaganda campaigns in this country, and they've spent a fortune. China has been out of it, but so has Russia. There's a really excellent piece in The American Thinker by Oleg Atbashian. I don't know who he is beyond this article, beyond his title in this article. But quite an intelligent person. And he says, as he goes into this article further down, I'm familiar with Russian propaganda well enough to recognize a scripted narrative. Some conservative hosts may not praise Putin's ideas directly, but they favor guests and authors who deliver the influence operation script, blaming the victims and diminishing their suffering. 
This looks just as bad as pointing a camera at the scene of a violent rape while mocking the victim screaming, making fun of her clothes, saying that she deserves it and suggesting that she stop faking pain and enjoy the inevitable. With the media presenting such irreconcilable viewpoints, American consumers of news have split into two warring factions. But the accusations and arguments with which they hit each other over the head are false on either side. And then he goes on to explain. Russian influence operation or active measures have been targeting the U.S. for decades, aiming to demoralize Americans and make them hate one another. Judging by the state of affairs today, Russian operations have been quite effective. The KGB was dissolved in the early 90s, followed by a short respite. Then Putin, a former KGB colonel, restarted the influence game and enhanced it with digital gadgets. This time, in addition to the traditional leftist radicals, he started targeting conservatives as potential agents of influence. Again, this from the American thinker. Russian propaganda is deeply embedded and is sophisticated enough to appear as honest opinions of concerned citizens. But what often betrays it is the narcissistic desire of making everything about Russia. Whether they're fuming over Russian election interference or over Russia setting up fake BLM pages on Facebook or being dragged into sympathizing with Russia over its bogus fears of NATO expansion, its so-called national interests, its religiosity and spirituality, another phony, and so on. The Soviet days of communist propaganda, any American influencer could get away with it by claiming it was simply a selfless Marxist. But today, when Russia's ideology is chauvinistic nationalism, it's a bit odd for regular Americans to be simply a, to regular American to be simply a selfless defender of Russia's national interests. While Russia's defenders point out the existence of Ukrainian nationalism, they somehow neglect to mention the unhinged Russian nationalism. The two are not equal. The nationalism of a dominant ethnicity in an empire that aims to subjugate other ethnicities as inferior to the main one is called chauvinism or supremacism. The nationalism of a smaller ethnicity trying to free its neck from under its big brother's boot is called a movement for dignity, freedom, and independence, something American conservatives have always identified with. Contrary to what a section of conservative media claims, Putin is not a Christian knight in shining armor, fighting the New World Order. He has his own New World Order in mind, which is spiritually closer to Mordor. And look at Russian society today, with its brutal suppression of dissent, government corruption, and state-sponsored brainwashing. Should give an idea of what he has in store for the rest of the conquered world. Russia may have different faces at different times, but the one we're staring at today... Obsessed with the cult of Putin and conspiracy theories is not Lara from Dr. Shivago, who never existed, but a manipulative drama queen dragging others into his alcohol-fueled problems and then using the suckers as tools to achieve its soulless goals. America shouldn't be codependent in this abusive behavior. Top-level Russian propagandists once bragged that if his agency's methods of psychological manipulation were open and legal... They could easily get a Nobel for inventing it. If I were to guess, he says, at least one of those methods relies in part on the drama triangle principle. The drama triangle was first described by Stephen Karpman in the 1960s. It's a model of dysfunctional social interactions and illustrates a power game that involves three roles, victim, rescuer, and persecutor. Each role represents a common and ineffective response to conflict.
And he explains that further. Internally on state-owned TV channels, Russia propaganda instills a sense of superiority, entitlement, and indignation, similar to what an abusive ex-husband feels towards his runaway ex-wife. We better love him or else. In this case, the runaway ex-wife is from Ukraine. In the messaging designed for Western countries, however, Russia plays the manipulative poor-as-me victim. It blames largely imaginary villains and conspiracies for its misfortunes and appeals to the kind, well-meaning, but somewhat gullible people of the world who believe the victim and come to the rescue at the cost of sacrificing their own interests. Playing the role of noble hero while forgetting about their own problems makes these rescuers feel good about themselves for a brief time. And he goes on. Those Americans who disagree with the rescuers about Russia's victimhood are automatically categorized as persecutors, agents of the deep state or the new world order. I've been called that on Facebook a few times, he says. Thanks a lot, Russia. When did this begin? It could already have been in place when the American left opposed the U.S. entering the war in Europe during the Hitler-Stalin friendship pact. But the moment Hitler attacked the USSR, they instantly adopted a pro-war help Russia stance. Americans used to be split over Russia and its exploits throughout the entire Cold War, including Vietnam. Even Obama's mother, a communist nonconformist, met his Kenyan father in a Russian class. She wanted to stick it to the man, and she did. In those days, the liberals were the rescuers and the conservatives were the persecutors. In today's game, those roles have switched. But Russia's never stopped being the poor-as-me victim with a mysterious soul. The switch happened during the 2016 presidential elections, when Hillary Clinton accused Donald Trump of colluding with Russia. Before long, Americans became split over the Russian collusion conspiracy theory. All we could hear from the media throughout Donald Trump's presidency was Russia, Russia, Russia. And in the eyes of the media, Republicans became the lovers of Russia and Putin. The myth of that unnatural love is still alive today among Democrats. Today, Russia, Russia, Russia continues in the form of debates over the recognition of Russia's geopolitical interests, quote-unquote, in former Soviet lands. The emotional details of injustice to Russia multiply daily. And we keep arguing about them without stopping to think that maybe most of those details are being made up by Russia just for this very purpose, and he goes on. And this is what I mean by the Putin wing of the Republican Party in the media and in the Democrat Party versus those naive saps who are of the cold pink, the, uh, the, the code pink time type. Pacifists, isolationists. And I don't see how you can be an American first or either way. And by the way, the alternative isn't sort of the Graham, McCain, interventionist, Wherever you see it, wherever you smell it, wherever you know it. Nobody's arguing that these days. Nobody who's serious. But when you see what's going on in Ukraine, and you know why it's going on in Ukraine, and you have to hear the propaganda from the Putin wing, not just the insanity of the pacifists, but the propaganda of the Putin wing, this is why I push back. This is why I call them out. Eastern Europe understands this. They've been under the man's boot. That is the Soviet Union. Israel understands this. Its population includes Holocaust survivors and men and women who fought in 67 in the Yom Kippur War and their backs are against the Mediterranean. Taiwan understands this with a a nation of 1.4 billion facing it down 
Unfortunately, a lot of people in our country do not. I'll be right back. Mark Levin. I've been telling you folks for a long time, if you're still with Verizon, AT&T, or T-Mobile, you're simply paying too much for wireless because Pure Talk gives you the same exact great 5G coverage for a fraction of the cost. But don't take my word for it. Listen to what Christopher from Grand Forks, North Dakota has to say. Said, I used to be a Verizon customer before switching to Pure Talk, and I absolutely love it. Pure Talk has the same great service that Verizon does and a little over half of the cost. And I got to keep my phone. Thank you for being such a great company. Folks, you should join me and make the switch. Right now, get unlimited talk, text, and six gigs of data for just $30 a month. So do this. Go to puretalk.com, find the plan that's right for you. Then this month, enter promo code Levin Podcast. that's L-E-V-I-N podcast, and you'll save an additional 50% off your first month. That's puretalk.com, promo code Levin Podcast. The New York Times, ladies and gentlemen, is a destructive corporate operation, much like the Washington Post. They are a plaything of the radical left, the American Marxist movement. They've been on the wrong side of history almost all the time. And they've been a mouthpiece for genocidal mass murders. They lied on behalf of Stalin in 1932-33. They lied on behalf of Hitler during the Holocaust, both by commission and omission. And they lied on behalf of Castro. These are mass murders. And yet that corporation is still in existence thanks to a, a Mexican billionaire, really, who bought about a fifth of the value of the New York Times because its its value was plunging. The New York Times interferes in our own electoral processes as it did in the last election. And it, along with the radical left big tech oligarchs, covered up for the Biden family, which is one of the most corrupt families to ever occupy the White House. And I believe some of this involves his decision-making when it comes to China and Russia in Iran. More when I return. I've been telling you folks for a long time, if you're still with Verizon, AT&T, or T-Mobile, you're simply paying too much for wireless because Pure Talk gives you the same exact great 5G coverage for a fraction of the cost. But don't take my word for it. Listen to what Christopher from Grand Forks, North Dakota has to say. Said, I used to be a Verizon customer before switching to Pure Talk, and I absolutely love it. Pure Talk has the same great service that Verizon does, and a little over half of the cost. And I got to keep my phone. Thank you for being such a great company. Folks, you should join me and make the switch. Right now, get unlimited talk, text, and six gigs of data for just $30 a month. So do this. Go to puretalk.com, find the plan that's right for you. Then this month, enter promo code Levin Podcast. that's L-E-V-I-N podcast, and you'll save an additional 50% off your first month. That's puretalk.com, promo code Levin Podcast. Mark 
Levin. Making conservatism great again. Dial in now. 877-381-3811. Well, Mr. Producer's right. They're trying to turn Katani Brown-Jackson into the next Ruth Bader Ginsburg, RBG. They're now calling her KBJ. See how it works? You can't vote against KBJ for crying out loud. We got movies. We got all kinds of stuff. This is historic. This is historic. Everything the Democrats do is historic. It's an amazing thing, isn't it? 51 former intelligence officials, as the New York Post has pointed out, were happy lapdogs to the Biden campaign and defended Hunter Biden against the accusations involving the laptop itself, the laptop itself, and the emails. And uh, among other things, they talked about there's no proof that these are illegitimate. It was written, you know, they found out the story was written just days before the election and on and on and on. And, and they were all frauds. They had no facts whatsoever. Now, who are these people? Do the officials who tried to flip the 2020 election feel any regret for their, regret for their actions? The Post reached out to those who signed this letter which was used by the media. That was the purpose. They wouldn't answer the question. A few doubled down, including Clapper. No remorse, no shame, no apologies. Mike Hayden, former CIA director, now analyst for CNN. Jim Clapper, mental patient. I mean, former director of national intelligence, now CNN pundit. Imagine that. Leon Panetta has his own foundation. Former CIA Director and Defense Secretary now runs a public policy institute at the California State University. He wouldn't comment. John Brennan, former CIA Director, now analyst for NBC and MSNBC. He didn't respond. So it's important that they be analysts on TV, don't you think? Thomas Fingar, former National Intelligence Council Chair, now teaches at Stanford. He wouldn't respond. So they can spread all their propaganda, you see. Rick Leggett, former National Security Agency Deputy Director, now Director at M&T Bank, didn't respond. John McLaughlin, former CIA Acting Director, now teaches at Johns Hopkins, he didn't respond. Gee, they're all professors and TV analysts. Michael Morell, former CIA Acting Director, now George Mason University, he didn't respond. Mike Vink- Vickers, former Defense Undersecretary for Intel, now on the board of BAE Systems. So you can see the, the incestuous relationship between these frauds, phonies, and fakes in the corporate world and the academic world. Doug Wise, former Defense Intel Agency Deputy Director, he now teaches at University of New Mexico. He didn't respond. Nick Rasmussen, should be Rasputin, former National Counterterrorism Center Director, now Executive Director, Global Internet Forum to Counterterrorism. He didn't respond. Russ Travers, former National Counterterrorism Center Acting Director, said the letter explicitly stated that we didn't know if the emails were genuine, but that we were concerned about Russia information. Ah, blah, 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 you idiot. Andy Leapman, former National Counterterrorism Center Deputy Director. They had a lot of Deputy Directors. 
As far as I know, I do stand by the statement, but I'm kind of busy right now. Uh, You're a schmuck. John Mosman, former CIA chief of staff, didn't respond. Larry Pfeiffer, former CIA chief of staff, now senior advisor to the Chertoff Group. I guess that's Michael Chertoff. What a joke he's become. Didn't respond. Jeremy Bash, former CIA chief of staff, now analyst for NBC and MSNBC. Of course. Didn't respond. Rodney Snyder, former CIA chief of staff, didn't respond. Glenn Gerstel, former National Security Agency general counsel, didn't respond. David Priest, former CIA analyst and manager, thank you for reaching out. I have no further comment at this time. What's a guy being deposed? Pam Persilly, yes she is. Former CIA deputy director of analysis, didn't respond. Mark Polymepropoulos, former CIA senior operations officer didn't respond. Chris Savos, former senior CIA operations officer, didn't respond. God almighty, can you imagine all these top CIA people used to actually be on the job? John Tullis, former CIA senior intelligence officer, didn't respond. David Vanell, former CIA senior operations officer, didn't respond. Chris Wood, former CIA senior intelligence officer, now non-resident fellow at Harvard, of course, didn't respond. You want to hear more, Mr. Producer? David Buckley, former CIA Inspector General, didn't respond. Nate Bakos, if that is his or her name, former CIA analyst and targeting officer, now senior fellow, Foreign Policy Research Institute, didn't respond. Patty Brandmeier, former CIA senior intelligence officer, didn't respond. All these former CIA senior intelligence officers didn't know a damn thing. And yet there they are giving their opinion. You wonder why so many times they get it wrong? James B. Bruce, former CIA senior intelligence officer, didn't respond. David Kareens, former CIA intelligence analyst, didn't respond. Janice Karens, I guess the husband and wife, Kareens, former CIA operational support officer, didn't respond. Paul Colby, former CIA senior operations officer, didn't respond. I'm reading their names so they hear me because they should be humiliated. Peter Corsell, former CIA analyst, didn't respond. Brett Davis, former CIA senior intel officer, didn't respond. Roger Zane George, former national intelligence officer, didn't respond. Stephen L. Hall, former CIA senior intelligence officer, didn't respond. But they sounded so good before the election. They sounded like they knew what they meant. They purposely wrote a letter. They purposely intended to influence the outcome of the election. Now they don't respond. Kent Harrington, former National Intelligence Officer, didn't respond. Don Hepburn, former National Security Executive, now President of Bongarius Solutions, LLC. He's got a long, stupid comment. Timothy Kilborn, former Dean of CIA's Kent School of Intelligence Analysis. Wow, he's a smart one. Didn't respond. Ron Marks, former CIA officer, didn't respond. Jonah Heiston Mendez. Now, ladies and gentlemen, I'm running out of breath reading all these names, 51 of them, 51 of them. But now you see the politicization of our intel agencies, people, maybe not these people, maybe these people who wanted to take down Donald Trump. Why would they sign a letter like this? Why would they sign a letter like this, ladies and gentlemen? They didn't have any facts to support their position. 
Why did the New York Times and Washington Post promote it? They didn't have any newsworthy, substantiated information to promote it. Because they're crap. Because they're frauds. Because these newspapers are a joke. If you want real news, do not read the New York Times or the Washington Post. Do not read the New York Times or the Washington Post. If you want, you know, real news. The problem is the lefties do. You know, you see them sitting on the train or on an airplane where they're folding the New York Times in the four or eight pieces there, you know, reading every word like it's, it's handed down from God. Of course, they don't read what was handed down from God, but nonetheless, they, they read this like it's handed down from God. Oh, really? What did Schmageggy Roberts have to say? Ooh. What did Maggie uh, 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 clown, clown Face have to say? Oh, look at this. An anonymous. Look what anonymous says. Oh, that must be an important person. Now, these are crapsheets. You used to call it yellow journalism, but it's worse than yellow journalism. They're pushing an agenda. They're flat out lying to the American people. They're projecting the views of the reporters, so-called, of the editors, so-called, of the executives and the ownership, so-called. That's exactly what they're doing, or they wouldn't be there. Or they wouldn't be there. All these frauds. In and out of the media. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. I've been telling you folks for a long time, if you're still with Verizon, AT&T, or T-Mobile, you're simply paying too much for wireless because Pure Talk gives you the same exact great 5G coverage for a fraction of the cost. But don't take my word for it. Listen to what Christopher from Grand Forks, North Dakota has to say. Said, I used to be a Verizon customer before switching to Pure Talk, and I absolutely love it. Pure Talk has the same great service that Verizon does, and a little over half of the cost. And I got to keep my phone. Thank you for being such a great company. Folks, you should join me and make the switch. Right now, get unlimited talk, text, and 6 gigs of data for just $30 a month. So do this. Go to puretalk.com, find the plan that's right for you. Then this month, enter promo code Levin Podcast. that's L-E-V-I-N podcast, and you'll save an additional 50% off your first month. That's puretalk.com, promo code Levin Podcast. I'm going to begin reading to you from a passage, ladies and gentlemen, which we'll have to continue over into the next hour. And it's from a book called Liberty and Tyranny. It's more than 12 years old. And chapter 10 called On Self-Preservation. This book sold 1.4 million copies during the Tea Party. And it was this chapter that drove the neocon artists, the pacifists, and they like nuts. The conservative believes that the moral imperative of all public policy must be the preservation and improvement of American society. Similarly, the objective of American foreign policy must be no different. The founders recognized that America had to be strong politically, economically, cultural, and militarily to survive and thrive in a complex, ever-changing global environment, not only in their time, but for all time. History bears this out. After the Revolutionary War, the founders realized that the Confederation was inadequate to conduct foreign affairs since each state was free to act on its own. 
There could be no coherent national security policy because there was no standing army, and each state ultimately was responsible for its own defense. The nation's economy was vulnerable to pirates who were terrorizing transatlantic shipping routes and thereby inhibiting trade and commerce, and the British and Spanish empires were looming threats. The authority of the national government to raise and maintain a standing army and use military power within the framework of a Republican system was among the first addressed by the framers when they presented the finished constitution to the states for ratification. At reviewing a litany of European interests and conflicts in North America, John Jay in Federalist IV wrote, The people of America are aware that inducements to war may arise out of these circumstances, as well as from others not so obvious at present, and that whatever such inducements may find fit time and opportunity for operation, pretenses to color and justify them will not be wanting. Wisely, therefore, do they consider union and good national government as necessary to put and keep them in such a situation as instead of inviting war, will tend to repress and discourage it. That is, you need to build a strong presence and threat to discourage war. The situation consists in the best possible state of defense and necessarily depends on the government, the arms, and the resources of the country. And I point out, indeed, one of the stated purposes of the Constitution is, quote, to provide for the common defense, unquote. The framers understood the complementary purposes of domestic and foreign policy. George Washington's farewell address of 1796 is often misunderstood as a proclamation of isolationism. This ignores its historical context. At the time, Washington was concerned with the very survival of the young nation. The address is a call for prudence. Prudence, not only in dealings and relationships with foreign states, but in issues that threaten national unity. In his address, Washington warned against the influences of popular passions on establishing permanent and overarching allegiances to or prejudices against any foreign power. He issued his warning because the American public was deeply divided in its sentiments relating to the European powers that were at war. The nascent political parties, the Federalists and the Anti-Federalists, or the Democratic-Republicans, were coalescing around support for different countries. The Federalists for Britain, the Anti-Federalists for France. Throughout his presidency, Washington tried to steer a course of strict neutrality between the two countries while promoting commercial relationships and vigorous trade with both sides of the conflict. The address makes clear he did so not because neutrality was an end in it itself, but because he feared that taking sides could split the country apart. Washington also believed that the nation's survival required a strong national defense. In his first annual message to Congress on January 1790, barely eight months after taking office, he said, quote, Among the many interesting objects which will engage your attention, that are providing for the common defense will merit particular regard. To be prepared for war is one of the most effectual means of preserving peace. In his fifth annual message on December 3, 1793, Washington offered an even stronger, more substantial elaboration of this principle. Quote, there is a rank due to the United States among nations, which will be withheld, if not absolutely lost, by the reputation of weakness. If we desire to avoid insult, we must be able to repel it. If we desire to secure peace, one of the most powerful instruments of our rising prosperity, it must be known that we are at all times ready for war. But few knew better than Washington that America must establish alliances that have as their purpose the protection and well-being of the nation. Without the crucial material aid and military support of France and other nations, 
The decisive Battle of Yorktown or perhaps the Revolutionary War itself might have been lost. Washington was neither an isolationist nor an interventionist. Yes, Washington was skeptical of alliances, but when in America's best interests, he made them. Washington preferred diplomacy to war, but he knew war was something unavoidable. By word and deed, as general, president, and statesman, Washington spent his public life pursuing the preservation and improvement of American society. Now, Washington's example is thus flexibility and means to achieve the immutable end, America's national security. And I go on in the book. In 1787, James Wilson, a prominent founder, rejected the argument that America had to wait until attacked to exercise military power and mocked the proponents of this notion. Whatever may be the provocation, however important the object in view, and however necessary dispatch and secrecy may be, still the declaration must precede the preparation, and the enemy will be informed of your intentions, not only before you are equipped for an attack, but even before you are fortified for a defense. The consequence is too obvious to require any further delineation. Of course, there are occasions when America... Well, one minute? Well, I'll save the commercial for after the break then. The consequence... Okay. Of course, there are occasions when America has suffered grievously, including on 9-11, for failing to act preemptively. Moreover, in the age of rogue regimes pursuing nuclear weapons, there clearly are occasions when preemption is prudent. For a government to be irresolute in the face of a growing and imminent threat is uh, to its citizenry is suicidal what of the notion of spreading democracy and so forth and so on and i get into all of that in the chapter as well we can't be everybody's force to spread democracy but there certainly are occasions when it is prudential to do so maybe you heard of the marshall plan after world war ii that was crucial utterly crucial the building up of the Japanese and the Germans, the West Germans then, and other countries, Western Europe, putting our bases there, building up their economies so at least they were capitalists to begin with, and their governments were at least representative to begin with. That has saved an awful lot of war, uh, life in the United States. I'll be right back. Are you an individual or business owner facing the heavy burden of back taxes, levies, or wage garnishments? Life's challenges, especially those brought on by the economic impact of COVID-19 and inflation, can take a toll on your financial well-being. Now, the IRS has eliminated over a billion dollars in tax penalties and interest for back taxes. America First Tax Group is here to help you claim your share of these billions in tax relief before the IRS can claim the government share and clamp down. Call them now, 800-806-1299. The IRS has people working to collect your money, but it's time to turn the tables, folks. America First Tax Group is a full-service tax boutique that puts clients first. They understand the stress of dealing with tax problems, and they will be your guide through the process. Don't wait. Time is of the essence. Call America First Tax Group. Here's the number, 800-806-1299, 800-806-1299, or visit AmericaFirstTaxGroup.com slash Levin. He's here. He's here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello, America. Mark Levin here. Our number, 877 318 
888-3818-877-318-38. What did I say? Uh-oh, I didn't get my home number, did I? 381-3811. Bruce uh, Pearl is the coach of the Auburn basketball team. And uh, the sports media likes to pretend that it has some role in uh, national affairs. And usually when it does, it takes the wrong side of events. Not always, but mostly. Because most of it's left. Let's just be honest. And if you're conservative there, you either have to keep your mouth shut or you're going to be removed, suspended. But Bruce Pearl was asked about his view about what's going on with Ukraine and Russia and so forth after their basketball game. Here's what he said. Cut, 10, go. This week, um, the Jewish people are celebrating the festival of Purim. And... um, You know, Purim is a celebration of what Queen Esther did. Um, Queen Esther was with the king of Persia in the palace, and she was Jewish. And um, Haman was a very close advisor to that king. And uh, he was advising the king that maybe it was time to get rid of all the Jews. Queen Esther's uncle was Mordechai. My Hebrew name is Mordechai. And I think that my family gave me that name for this reason. Mordechai talked to Esther, the queen, and said, Look, Esther, you might survive this for a little while, but you you won't survive this. He's really going to kill all the Jewish people and your family. And he gave Esther the courage to try to see if she could turn the king's heart, and she did. And saved the nation. So some of you may be uncomfortable. You guys asked the question, right? You asked the question about Ukraine. We say never again. I was born in 1960, 15 years after they opened up the gates. And I saw 6 million Jews were murdered and 3 million more people. And so if Tara Vandevere wants money for three-pointers, I'll up whatever they're offering. I'm in. I'm all in. Help the Ukrainian people survive that. And I'm very concerned about what's going on in Iran with the king of Persia now. And if we embody that government, give them all that money, sign a bad treaty, it's going to put the world in jeopardy. See, ladies and gentlemen, it's not just modern history, it's ancient history. Ancient history. And that coach, the Auburn basketball team, in my view, my view, was right on. Was right on. It's my view. And um, I want to get to this. It doesn't fit in neatly, but I want to get to it anyway. Ellie... Mistal, if that's his name, and we've focused on this guy before, is one of the most vile, damnable hate mongers and race mongers on television. And that's saying something. And that's saying something. Oh, by the way, let me just say this. 
I know people are jumping on the fact that the president of Ukraine has now suspended the opposition party and uh, several uh, media outlets. Did you hear that, Mr. Producer? They're all over that. Now, of course, Putin assassinates journalists and does all these other things. Ukraine is not a perfect democracy, but I would ask a question. What did you folks think about Abraham Lincoln? Most people think he was, if not our greatest president, certainly one of our greatest presidents. And in the middle of a civil war, and I've explained this before, I've written about this before, he suspended a habeas corpus because he couldn't get the Massachusetts militia down to Washington to defend the city because of the violent rioters in Baltimore who outnumbered the number of militiamen. He suspended habeas corpus. Does that mean he was a bad president? No, we don't like that. We wish he didn't have to. His Secretary of War, Stanton, closed temporarily, and in some cases it turned out to be permanently, some 200 newspapers that were critical of the war effort. Was that a good thing? No. But they insisted they had to win the war and save the country. It's like looking back at critical race theory, looking back at these monuments, looking back at the founders. It serves a purpose. But you need to understand the context of the time. I don't mean accept it or excuse it, but understand it. So the president of Ukraine suspends 11 parties or news outlets or whatever he did. First of all, he's still a bigger Democrat, small d Democrat, than Putin. But it's not something to be celebrated or supported. But it seems to be something that occurs when your country's under attack like this. And it's not the first time and it won't be the last time. It's not the first time, and it won't be the last time. Ellie or Eli Mistel on MSLSD today. Now, first of all, or yesterday, I asked this question. Why do they keep putting this man on TV at MSNBC? Why do they keep doing that? This is Comcast. You pay cable fees to Comcast, which owns NBC and MSNBC. Why do they keep doing that? Hat tip, right scoop, cut one, go. But I, I don't want to let the Josh Hawley thing lie because here's, you know, like, here's where I need the Democrats to step up. Because when they try to smear her, I need the Democrats so to not get... allowed. In other words, you're not allowed to really question Katani Brown-Jackson. They're never going to smear her. They're not going to do to her what they do to every single Republican nominee. But this guy works for the nation... He's a real a-hole. Ellie Mistal, go ahead. There And defend her just as vociferously as Lindsey Graham defended alleged attempted rapist Brett Kavanaugh. Like, See I what I mean? That- this guy is sick and hateful. Go ahead. 
energy from the Democrats, especially when they come at her with this with this trumped up um, uh, alleged issues about uh, her sentencing on uh, for, for sex offenders. How is um, it trumped up? Her sentencing for sex offenders has been below the sentencing guidelines in each and every case. I believe there's seven cases. In each and every case. And why is that? She's tried to split hairs here about the difference between those who produce child porn and those who look at it. So she makes her own sentencing guidelines. Go ahead. Josh Hawley is doing, let's be, let's be very clear. What Josh Hawley is doing when he tries to do this um, is he's trying to get her killed. He is trying to get violence done against a Supreme Court nominee. And now this is where MSNBC has no governor on anybody, including its guests. It has no standards, unless you're a conservative. It feels it has no obligation for what goes on the airwaves on that network. Otherwise, Ellie Mistal and some of these others wouldn't be there. They wouldn't be there. This is appalling. Absolutely appalling. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. Have you gotten your letter from the IRS yet? These last few years have not been easy on the American family. And with tax season finally arriving, there'll be millions of hardworking people and businesses that could struggle even more due to the IRS working against them. Well, America First Tax Group can help put an end to your worries. Just one phone call to 800-806-1299. Hello, 800-806-1299. And you'll be in touch with the America First Tax Group, a full-service tax company that'll fight the IRS and help put you on the path to financial freedom. Their experts can help you or your business with any tax-related problems you may have, from dealing with your back taxes to granting you access to tax relief and much more. Don't wait. Get in touch with America First Tax Group today by calling 800-806-1299. That's 800-806-1299 or AmericaFirstTaxGroup.com slash Levin. Again, 800-806-1299 or AmericaFirstTaxGroup.com. Dot com slash L-E-V-I-N. Well, it's been a while since we've had my buddy Rudy Giuliani on. Rudy, how are you, my friend? I am very good, Mark. How are you? I'm doing great. Rudy, I want to ask you, what is your view of what's taking place in Ukraine right now? I think what's t- taking place in Ukraine is... Putin, China, well, I, I almost describe it as, as a child. You know, a child pushes as far as they can go until you stop them. Mm-hmm. So I think Putin is out there as the stalking horse for China, and he's pushing to see how far they can push Biden so that they can make safe decisions about, in case of Putin, how much further he wants to go, and in the case of uh, Xi Jinping, should he, should he get aggressive with Taiwan? And I think Biden has sent them the message they they want to they want to see and hear. I think that's why Putin stretched out the invasion. I mean, it was almost like a, it was almost like being sadistic to Biden because Biden, for remember, for about a, a month and a half, was saying they're going to invade in three days, and then just Putin waited and waited and waited. But he always kept saying every single day, "I'm not I'm not going to use any military uh, for, force." 
and there'll be no mm-hmm. no confrontation with the Russians. And they sort of made they sort of made him play out on the international stage as a complete coward. Now I don't think we should use military force, mm-hmm. and I'm not sure we should be in a no-fly zone. But I sure know I wouldn't give that away up front. Mm-hmm. I, I, I mean, the whole idea here is to make them be afraid of you. These guys are monsters. You got to do a Ronald Reagan on them. Mm-hmm. The, the Russians, the Russians, who I talked to that lived there in the 1980s, say that the Russian people thought that Ronald Reagan was a monster, and he was going to come there and bomb them no, no matter what. Mm-hmm. Now, when they read about him, they have a totally different impression. But he sort of played that game with them, and now Putin is playing this game with us. And Biden, I don't know why anybody would fear Biden. So I think that's, you, I think you know, that's the main objective. And uh, the second objective is the obvious yeah. one. Putin really believes that craziness about, you know, putting either the Soviet Union back together. But I actually think he wants to put the Russian Empire together. Exactly. And yeah, it's he's, in, he's his, said it's as much. in his head. It's in his head. And um, I, I also think, uh, Mark, that these things about how unstable he is right now, I, I think that's, that's uh, psyops. I think they're mm-hmm. playing with our heads. You know, they, they, they say, oh, he seems strange, he's acting strange. And then Larov says, we're, we're going to consider nuclear weapons. And then everybody gets scared. <laughs> Their hands mm-hmm. start to shake. Uh, so when they say nuclear weapons, I, I mean, I, I had dinner with Donald Trump the other night, President Trump. And he reminded me for the second time of a conversation he had with Putin when they were... <laughs> He, you know, they always say he calls him a brilliant man. They don't understand that's part of the manipulation. Mm-hmm. It's like, so a conversation, he had a conversation, something like this with him. Vladimir, gosh, I really would not like to, we're getting to develop a really good relation, a lot of good things together. It'd be a shame if we had to have a war. Mm-hmm. Hmm. So, but you know, I don't like those bubbles in Russia. I build buildings. I don't like. What are, what are all those bubbles you have? You know, I told the generals, if we have a bomb, we go for those bubbles first. So <laughs> Putin said to him, they're churches. And he said to him, Vladimir, don't give me that church stuff. I'm not Bush. I don't buy that. <laughs> mm-hmm. But you understand how that plays with his head? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Now, what do you make of this argument that, that people seem to make? And I listened to some of them watch it. And basically, most of Putin's criticisms are regurgitated. And then when you point it out, people don't like to say, we're not part of the Putin wing of the GOP. There's this isolationist wing that claims that they're concerned about America first, American national security. I think they have a funny way of showing it. Yeah, I, you know, uh, America first is, uh, is absolutely correct. And it can be an international affairs that you put America first. Mm-hmm. For example, you know, don't don't get fight against the ridiculous tariffs in which they put a twenty five percent tariff on us, and mm-hmm. we don't put a tariff on them. But you, you, we don't have an option for for isolation in the world we live in. If we're going to be isolated. We're going to become a secondary power to China, and we're eventually going to get maybe not now, but within a decade or two, we're going to be captured. Mm-hmm. It's a cruel, bad world with a couple of people out there who want to dominate. We've got the, we've got the the Muslim extremists, right? 
right. the, the regime of terror, Iran, I mean, they, they'd be satisfied with dominating the Middle East. Uh, we've got Russia, and they'd be satisfied dominating Eastern Europe, and China wants to dominate the world. And, and, and they're willing to use uh, war crimes in order mm-hmm. to effectuate that. So I don't know that, I don't think this is a choice that we have about do we remain involved in the world so we, we can stop that at an early enough stage so we don't end up with another Hitler situation? Mm-hmm. Or do we go just stay here and pretend it doesn't, it's not happening? I mean, and I, there's nobody, there's nobody in America that could possibly feel angrier at the corruption in Ukraine, including Zelenko. Because Zelenko has every bit of information that could put the Bidens in jail for 100 years. And when the president had that conversation with him, it was an absolutely necessary conversation to have. Mm-hmm. And, and if um, Barr and um, the FBI weren't withholding the hard drive, which they did for a year, mm-hmm. we would have had solid evidence that that conversation was perfectly necessary because the hard drive proves that whole transaction. You know, it's like it's almost like a violation of the Brady rule. I can't imagine how you can live with your conscience. And when you hear that they're going to impeach him over his conversation with Zelenko and you're sitting there with about 100 emails that show Biden's involvement in the crookedness in Ukraine. And you don't come forward and say to the justice, doesn't come forward to president's counsel. And say, well, here, here's this evidence that shows that that conversation wasn't only justified, it was necessary. It was necessary because these very, very serious crimes were committed. Rudy, I want to hold you over. If you'll hang in there, we've got more to discuss. Very fascinating. We'll be right back with Rudy Giuliani. You know, sleep, especially as you get older, is so critical, especially that deep, comforting sleep. Go to helixsleep.com, H-E-L-I-X sleep.com, and take the sleep quiz. I took it and was matched to the Midnight Lux. Helix knows that everyone's unique, so they have several different mattress models to match your body type and sleep preferences. Once you match, your mattress comes right to your door, shipped for free. They have a 10-year warranty, and Helix even has financing options and flexible payment plans. So a great night's sleep is never far away. Helix is offering 20% off all mattress orders and two free pillows for our listeners. So go to helixsleep.com slash Levin, H-E-L-I-X sleep.com slash L-E-V-I-N, and use code HELIXPARTNER20. That's HELIXPARTNER20. This is their best offer yet, and it won't last long, folks. With Helix, better sleep starts now. A champion of freedom. You know, you're one of the greatest champions of freedom in this country, if not in the English-speaking world, Mark. Call Mark at 877-381-3811. We're going to be right back with Rudy in a second. Folks, Are by the way, there's very few people you know by their first name. That's true. Like the babe or something. But Rudy's one of them. Rudy Giuliani, I, I am concerned about not just this Supreme Court nominee and her clearly radical background, 
I am concerned when I hear voices say, and you have your own fantastic show on WABC, you're a great radio host, but I, when I hear people on TV and radio say, hey, look, it's the briar seat, we'll keep our powder dry, we'll fight another day. Don't we have an obligation to fight every day and to inform the American people exactly what we believe versus them? Absolutely, Mark. I mean, you got it. I, you know, I, I used to kind of, when I say used to, I'm talking about maybe 20 years ago or when I was in the Reagan administration, and I used to follow, let's call it the Lindsey Graham rule, that the president gets his own appointments, and if the person is honest and capable, then ideology doesn't matter. But ideology has gone so far in the direction of anti-American ideas, ones that are corrosive to our country, or in the case of abortion, to the point of, of homicide. And we got states now that are going to try to create a 28-day waiting period after the, after the baby that was supposed to be aborted. You know, the, the abortion doesn't work. The baby gets born. The first guy was the idiot in Virginia who said, oh, the mother could have a, well, when the mother right. comes awake, she and the doctor can decide if they want to uh, have an abortion. Mm-hmm. Hey, hey, idiot, the minute the baby comes out of the womb it's not an abortion anymore it's murder right yeah yeah i mean we all agree on that whether mm-hmm. whether whether we agree that it is in the womb or which i wish i like there's the anomaly we have where if, if you kill a woman in new york who's seven or eight months pregnant they can do a double homicide on you mm-hmm. and they should but and, but but you can but you can abort the kid at seven months i know it makes no sense but I think for those reasons, these nominees have to be opposed by us because we no longer have basic American ideals and ideas that we agree on. We are, we are in fundamental disagreement to the point of, of at least our believing, I think conservatives believing, that they're at the point of wanting to destroy our form of government mm-hmm. and our way of life. And these judges are a big part of it. And if, if we all agreed there was a constitution and we're going to fight over what a word means, fine. But if, if, we, if we believe we can rewrite a constitution, starting with, um, you know, starting with Douglas's opinion that laid the groundwork for abortion, that there are emanations from the, the rights that are in the constitution, then I, I, don't, see, I don't see how we can't oppose. We have to oppose it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree 100%. 100%. Let me ask you this. Isn't it a level of insanity when Joe Biden has Putin effectively negotiating the nuclear deal with the Iranian regime? We have two regimes that hate our guts negotiating. <laughs> what, what is that all about, Rudy Giuliani? I, you know, I, I feel bad that I just laughed because yeah. there is an absurdity to it that is... Uh, Dr. Uh, Maria Ryan and I did the Sunday show, spent a half hour uh, trying to figure out why somebody would do that. But why did, why, why? She, she w- would say, he, he, they, both he and Obama display this very, very, I think, pathological attachment to Iran. Mm-hmm. I mean, uh, Iran per capita is as big a murderer as China and Russia. Maybe more, I don't know. But I mean, the Ayatollah kill, it kills people in the street if he thinks you're an opponent. Half the time, he's even wrong. Mm-hmm. 
and they probably have killed more Americans than any other country in the world, right? They oh, were yeah. in Iraq with this with the Quds force. We got a lot of we got a lot of fresh memories of that. A lot of a lot of families here in America whose uh, children were killed by Iran, and they and they. It's not only do they want to make them nuclear; they want to give them huge amounts of money. Obama sent over what, a couple hundred million in cash. How, how does the, how, if you were Obama, who's an intelligent man, I think, why would they want cash? Governments tra- transact business by wire transfer. The o- only people I know who use cash at that level are drug dealers and terrorists. Mm-hmm. Oh, and by the way, they're the biggest sponsor of terrorism in the world. So you, they had to know they were giving money to terrorists. Now, why would you want to do that, Democrat or Republican? I, I, I don't have an answer for it other than there may be something very, very dangerous going on. And yet the Democrat Party, even though you see some fissures, they're very uh, understated about their criticism of Biden on this issue. I mean, Schumer, who's Jewish, I'm Jewish, he's head of the Democrat Party. Uh, is very understated about this. Why, what do you make of that? I, I don't, I mean... Party first? Party above everything. Your own your own country, your own religion, your own ethnic background. Seems your like own it. set of values. Or, I mean, I know Schumer from when he was pretty close to a moderate Democrat. I mean, he also was one of the big sponsors of the 1994 crime bill. I mean, I... Mm-hmm. I was I was one of the Republicans who supported it and helped to write it earlier on in in the Reagan administration. But the two biggest Democratic sponsors were Biden and Schumer. The difference is Biden didn't understand it, and Schumer <laughs> did. No, I'm really right. serious. I believe Schumer's you. Intelligent man. Schumer is a very intelligent man. Whatever else he is, he's a very intelligent man. Biden is Biden. There isn't too much difference between the dopey Biden of 20 years That's ago true. and the demented Biden of today. He You're generally, right. he, he makes the wrong decision all the time. Uh-huh. And How are you and doing personally? You, you doing okay? I know they're well, coming after really you. Well, I mean, we got two good victories. The oh. court in District of Columbia dropped Donald Jr. and me from the January 6th case, yeah. in which he almost begrudgingly said, well, we don't, there's no evidence that they were involved in any kind of invocation of violence. They didn't know anything about the, and he threw us out on the motion to dismiss, which was good. He's an Obama judge, but he kept the president in. And the amount of evidence against the president is the same Outrageous. as me or Donald Jr., except he's the president. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then, and then the, the times basically after 16 months, validating the hard drive is mm-hmm. somewhat absurd and i guess a sign of how corrupt they are but at least it creates a validation you know anybody that needed the times to validate that form is probably kind of warped anyway i mean the thing was validated the day the post printed it my lawyer did went to three different experts i went to three different experts and the post took a week took a week to publish it and questioned me like I would be questioned on a grand jury. I mean, there was handwriting analysis. There was 
calls to people who transacted business with him on that hard drive who were willing to talk and say, oh, yeah, they, that's right, that's the, that's the number. And, and then fi- finally, his lawyer had made a call asking uh, John uh, MacIsaac for, for it. He said, I want, I want my client's computer back. So his lawyer identified it. And, of course, they never disputed one word in it. And, they, and then we get accused of, this one really offends me, by the 50 intelligence operatives. We get accused of, of Russian, being Russian spies. You know, if you're going to lie, at least an intelligent lie, what's Russian about that? It comes from a, a, a tradesman in Delaware. Hunter Biden had lost two other computers. So it's not uh, inconsistent for him to have left it there and not remember because he's, honestly, I mean, he's on crack half the time. And you you were disappointed, you said, that Bill Barr didn't jump all over this. Bill Bill Barr did worse than this. He hid relevant information. I don't know how in his conscience he can uh, square that. I mean, when, when, when they started and they said the word Ukraine and it was going to be part of an impeachment, um, John, I, uh, John uh, Mac Isaacs, he's a repairman, right? That's right. the thing that got him upset because he had given it to the FBI and for eight months the FBI did nothing with it. Now he's hearing on television about this impeachment thing and he, 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 so he goes and he listens to the hard drive, and he has a lot of conversation. He never got beyond that. He really turned it over because he said it's filled with information about Ukraine. He basically says everything that Biden is saying is a lie. Mm-hmm. He knew all about the foreign transactions. He knew all about the Ukraine. There's, an, there's, a, there's a complete direct indication of exactly how much money Hunter Biden was giving him. The money was never intended for Hunter Biden. Hunter Biden was a pass-through or a bag man. These are the reasons the man got upset. And he said, I got to do something with this. And nobody would take it. And I literally was the last one. And my lawyer actually picked up the mail first, saw it, and said, well, let me check it out first. So he did. He's a former chief of the criminal division of the Southern District. He said it's accurate as hell, but you do it independently. By the way, also, uh, signature identification. Yeah. This this, this was probably, I think the Post wrote it at the time. This was probably more validated than 90% of the evidence we present in court. Usually you have, you know, one expert or two. I've got a hard break here. Well, the few minutes we have after that, I wasn't going to keep you this long, but you're, you're very compelling. Why isn't there a special counsel? I mean, why isn't there pressure, at least from Republicans, for a special counsel? When we come back, I'd like you to answer that for me. That's an excellent question. But, but hold on till we come back. Mr. Producer, where the hell am I here? What did I do? We'll be right back. Mark Lovin. In today's digital age, where cyber threats loom larger than ever, safeguarding your personal information is paramount. 
So why is Congress considering a law that could put your credit card data at greater risk of being hacked and exposed to foreign networks? This Durbin Marshall credit card bill could jeopardize your financial data, make it more susceptible to cyber intrusions. It's a controversial bill that proposes a shift in billions of dollars worth of consumer transactions to payment networks that lack the robust security measures consumers rely on. Who could possibly want that? Well, the answer, woke corporate megastores seeking to inflate their multi-billion dollar profit margins. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill will undermine our safe and convenient payment systems and endanger your data security. It's time to take a stand. Visit electronicpaymentscoalition.org. Make your voice heard. Tell your senators to oppose the radical Durbin Marshall credit card bill paid for by the Electronic Payments Coalition. Rudy Giuliani, the big question is, why aren't the Republicans pressing for a special counsel against the Bidens? Great, great question, Mark. I I, um, put out a tweet the other day saying there should be a special counsel. Look, uh, in the book, in in, in Schweitzer's book, he makes it clear. It's real. Hunter is just, you know, Hunter is at at best, um, you know, a player. He's He's a bag man. The top of the totem pole here is, is Biden. And who tells you that? Hunter does. He has a text, December 25th, 2018. I don't get any respect in this family, even though I, for 30 years I've paid all the bills, and I still have to give him half of what I earn. Mm. Well, why would he give half of what he earns to his father? Because the money really is, is, is for his father's influence. And then, then on the other side of it, Mark, you have the father doing what the money suggests he would be doing, like in China. Every, every negotiation they ever had with China, he failed. He failed to represent our interests. He, he was sent there to stop them from expanding in the Sakhalin Islands. He loses for the U.S., and they get a $1.5 billion commitment to a private equity fund, including Whitey Bulger's nephew. Mm. And the damn New York Times doesn't think that's newsworthy. That's a movie, <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, the, the president of the United States, vice president of the United States, son, and the stepson of the secretary of state were in a private equity fund with the, with the Chinese communists. I mean, you can't, you can't make that up. And, and when you and were we prosecutor, and when you were U.S. attorney, if you had a text like that, the son about the old man. I mean, I think you're, you'd be sharpening your teeth, wouldn't you? I don't think I've ever had a conspiracy or called a RICO business spelled out in writing that clearly. <laughs> I mean, I, I, even the mafia. I mean, you had to kind of create the commission from a lot of different acts. There's no one document that says, you know, the head of this family will get X. Y, Z, they, they even have that. They've got a deal, a $30 million deal. That's the one that Bobolinsky was involved in mm-hmm. with, a, with, a, with three Chinese communists for $30 million a year. And that's where that has 10% for the big guy. And then if you go into the, as a lawyer, you want to try it, you go into the hard drive, he's referred to as the big guy about eight times. So there's no doubt who the big guy is. And then you have a witness called Bob Belinsky who says mm-hmm. they referred to him as the big guy. And yes, he was getting a big chunk of the money. 
And there's nothing in it for him to lie. There's nothing in it for that guy to lie. Nothing. No, and there'd be and, the, and there'd be no reason why Hunter would be lying to his daughter on the text. <laughs> and then they and then there also you can pick up there a lot of expenses that he was paying with the son. He paid for his sister's edu- her entire education. Now, what son pays for the entire education? The parents usually do that, except that's a way of giving Joe money, right? Mm-hmm. The houses. Now, so, isn't this yeah, man, yeah. the the former Manhattan DA is going after that fella, the older gentleman with the Trump organization, because he dared to pay for the uh, medical peanuts. bills. and uh, peanuts. It's peanuts, and they're they're throwing the book at that guy. Peanuts. It's peanuts. I mean, the, the, uh, they have that also. They have, uh, they have Hunter paying for repairs on the parent's house. Rudy, I got to go. I wish I didn't. I mean, you're you're fascinating, you, and you're you're so filled with uh, knowledge. God bless you, my friend. Rudy Giuliani is a great radio show on WABC in New York too. I salute all you heroes out there, and we'll be back tomorrow. Stick with us. I'll see you then. Chin up.